Our scripture reading for today comes from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, beginning at verse 37, 33, excuse me. Again, you've heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't make a false solemn pledge, but you should follow through on what you've pledged to the Lord. But I say to you that you must not pledge at all. You must not pledge by heaven because it is God's throne. You must not pledge by the earth because it is God's footstool. You must not pledge by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. And you must not pledge by your head because you can't turn one hair white or black. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Why, why is it that we always tend to default into a me-first attitude? You know, in, in today's culture and world, we often hear that message that it's all about me. It's all about what... I want, you know, and and you don't have to go far to see evidence of that. All you've got to do is look at our social media feeds and see how much that it is all about me. But I think one of the things we fail to realize as followers of Christ is that the way of Jesus is not a me first way. Your identity as a follower of Jesus isn't just about you as an individual. It's about who you become within a community of believers. You know, we've been beginning this journey of digging through Jesus's Sermon on the Mount found in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Not so that we can just learn to believe in Jesus or follow Jesus, but to embody the things that Jesus teaches us. And the good news is the way of Jesus is not something that we do all by ourselves. It's something that we do together. Now, we're still in that section of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is using this rhetoric. Uh, You have heard it said, but I say to you, Jesus is showing us how the the way of his kingdom, when you follow him, it's, it's not just a me first kind of things. All of these sayings are showing us a much deeper way to live in community with each other. For example, if you remember last week we talked about, uh, you have heard it said, don't commit murder, but I say to you, don't even get angry. Uh, You've heard it said, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you to turn the other cheek. You've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love and pray for those who hate you. And in this passage that that Brett read for us today, we begin to talk and hear about oaths and pledges. Now, before we dig into that, I got a little joke for you. 
A Sermon on the Mount can be a little bit heavy, so I want to throw in a, in a joke. Uh, per his oath in silence, a monk was only allowed to say two words a year. So at the end of his first year, he went and spoke his first two words, better food. The, the abbot, the head abbot, heard him, went out and hired a new chef in the monastery, got better food. Uh, a year later, he comes back for another two words, his two words at the end of his second year, warmer blankets. So the head abbot goes out and he buys new blankets for the whole monastery and everyone benefits. At the end of his third year, the monk came up for his two words and he said, I quit. <laughs> and the head abbot goes, well, it's about time all you've done since you've got here is complain. <laughs> Jesus said in our text, again, you've heard it said to those who lived long ago, don't make false, solemn pledge, but you should follow through on what you have pledged to the Lord. But I say to you, don't even pledge at all. The people of the ancient world largely lived in a shame-honor culture. You, you've probably heard me talk about this if you've been with us for a while. Understanding a shame-honor culture can give us a better uh, look at what the ancient scriptures are teaching us. For example, this culture very much would shape how they live their public lives. Actions in public would be much more important to them than how they live their private life. Because public opinion in a shame-honor culture would have carried significant weight and people were expected to uphold the honor of their families. Uh, this would lead people to abuse oaths and pledges in the day. Some would make these grandiose oaths with no intentions of fulfilling them. For instance, they might promise to give money to the poor or, or give it to the synagogue. But yet, they wouldn't when it came to giving to the altar, uh, giving in the offering plate. People would, would craft oaths and pledges with, with wording in which they could wiggle out of it by taking advantage of loopholes that they had created. Oaths were sometimes meant to manipulate people into getting what they wanted out of them. They would make these grand pledges where you would feel just terribly guilty if you didn't go along with it. In essence, oaths and pledges were being abused by the people of the day. Jesus was telling the people we have to live differently. Jesus said, let your yes mean yes 
and your no mean no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. Jesus shows us here how we are to live differently. He is reestablishing trust and goodness and honesty into the community. He refers to the evil one, the devil in some translations. And in John 8, verse 44, the Gospel of John refers to the evil one as the father of lies. Jesus is teaching that human relationships cannot be based on deceit, that human relationships flourish under truth. God is truth, and therefore we must also have truth as part of our lives. What we do matters. What we say matters. How we live our lives matter. What we do and say not only affects us, but it affects every aspect of our life. It affects how you interact with your family, your friends, your, your company you work for, your school, and your church. Your identity as a follower of Jesus isn't about you as an individual. It's about who you become within a community of believers. Humanity has come a long way since the, the time of, uh, of Jesus when it comes to um, um, innovations and, and technology, but we have remarkably haven't come hardly anywhere <laughs> when it comes to being authentic communities of faith. We still struggle with the same things that our ancient brothers and sisters struggled with, albeit differently. In order to put ourselves and our preferences uh, second, in order to be people of truth who put their own preferences aside, we have to be people who follow through on our intentions. You know, we've created a serious challenge in our culture when it comes to trust. Uh, we're sold a bill of goods a, a lot of times from our politicians, uh, from uh, even our, our schools, our families, and even our church. Sometimes disappoints us and doesn't act with integrity. As humans, we need a community that we can trust so that we can flourish. Uh, according to a uh, renowned Harvard study on adult development, the major factor in determining someone's health, longevity, and well-being was not their career or success or how much money they had, but it was how connected they were to other people. I don't know about you, but I really get fired up when, when our, our modern psychology studies just 
prove everything that Jesus teaches us. Jesus said, let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything else comes from the evil one. Now, we talk a lot about how uh, changing overnight, changing how we live doesn't happen overnight. It takes small, intentional steps over time for us to build true transformation, for us to really embody the way of Jesus. Uh, Y'all know I like to talk about it in terms of a gap. We have this gap between how we actually live right now and how God is um, teaching us to live or knows that we can be. And I think that for us to be able to be more authentic in our relationships in community with each other uh, and bridge that gap, we need to build trust, maintain trust, and then rebuild trust. Uh, imagine that, that we are building a literal bridge over a big cavern. Uh, one of the first things we're going to need to do is build a strong and firm foundation for that bridge, and it's the same way with building trust with other people. Jesus is teaching us that we can choose to live life differently. The Sermon on the Mount encourages us to embrace integrity and consistency. As followers of Christ, we're we're called to let our yes be yes and our no be no. Another way of saying that is we're called to, to mean what we say and say what we mean. When we speak with integrity and truthfulness, we build trust and we can be counted on. Now the adverse is true. When we are deceitful and do things in a me first attitude so that we can get our own way, it erodes that trust. People rely on those who follow through on their commitments. By being consistent, we can demonstrate that we are reliable. Now, once we build trust with other people, it doesn't stop there. We have to maintain that trust. Think about if we've completed that bridge, you still have to inspect it and maintain it to make sure it stays strong. We, we maintain relationships by showing other people that we genuinely care about them. Uh, we, we take time to get to know them. And, and as Jesus said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, we go the second mile an extra mile when people need it. And we do this by getting outside of our comfort zones, by sharing life experiences with other people. Keeping your word is one of the surest ways to maintain that trust. If you say you'll do something, do it. Uh, if, if you've promised you'll do something and you can't fulfill it, tell them so they know you're not just flaking out on them and they know that they can still count on you. But no matter what we do, 
no matter how good we are, <laughs> we're going to do things that are going to hurt each other. And trust will be broken. And we'll have to rebuild that trust. You know, imagine our, our bridge that we're building. We, we've built it, strong foundation. We've maintained it, but a storm comes. And we've got to have places where we rebuild it. One of the best ways to rebuild trust with each other is to keep communication open. When we hurt each other, we need to say we're sorry. We need to own the mistakes that we have made. Sharing the truth, even when it's hard, is the best way to rebuild relationships. You know, our word is the cornerstone of the trust that's built in our relationships. And rebuilding trust isn't just about one conversation. It's about continually staying in communication with each other. And, and make a commitment to act in a way that is in alignment with your words. Our words can only say so much. Really, what we do, what we show people, has just as a significant of an impact. Jesus is moving us on this journey through the Sermon on the Mount into a new way of living. He's teaching people that your identity as a follower of Jesus isn't just about you. As a single person, as an individual, it's about who you become within the community of believers. And to me, that is one of the best parts of the good news of Jesus Christ. Is we're not meant to live this life alone. We are meant to be in a community of believers walking with each other through life. You know, people will help us get through the best and the hardest times of life. We need to be the type of community here at Asbury that celebrates with each other when things go well and who holds each other when life seems to fall apart. Jesus is calling us to a higher calling, a deeper way of living, a new way of living, but not by ourselves. He wants us to do it together. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for this day for this time that we have together. May we put our me first attitudes aside and allow ourselves to be open to live in a community together. Oh God, forgive us when we fail to be the people you desire us to be, the people that you know that we can be. 
Help us to take that next step and bridge the gap to becoming closer to who you know that we are. In Jesus' name, amen.